All right, you are listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. My name is Aaron Rhodes. We are sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Truce in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Ogechi. How's yeah, it going? What's poppin'? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Um, so, yeah, I guess just right off the bat, some something everyone should know is you have a deep background in poetry. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, what? What? When did you first kind of take an interest in the the medium? I would say that like I started writing in like elementary school, just on my own, and I was always like one of those people that like took writing assignments like a lot more seriously when you had that creativity that you could do with it. Mm. And then by the time I got to middle school and started really learning about poets, that's when it like really kind of clicked for me to really start writing on my own. And then by the time I got to high school at 17, I, like, stopped all sports I was playing to go full force into spoken word. And then everything, like, blossomed from there. What were some of those, like, first poets that you were learning about? Is it, are they people that you're still, like, really interested in? I mean, I feel like everyone learns about the old, dead, white poets. But, like, the ones that obviously took, I took a keen interest was Maya Angelou in eighth grade. I got to do, you know, they do those projects where you have to take, a, like, a famous celebrity and go about their life. I chose Maya Angelou as my eighth grade one. And that one, and that they're learning about all of her life and what she did that was like the biggest inspiration to me that like people still considered themselves poets I didn't know that that was like a still a, still a thing mm. at that age yeah I guess when you just learn so much about like the the forefathers of any like type mm-hmm. of like art form like you're, you're kind of surprised when you figure out it's even like still a thing like even when I was like first getting into like like Kansas City's like punk scene yeah. I um like I, I got taken to the show I didn't know about I'm like wow there's there's actually music that sounds like 80s punk music here I had no yeah. idea and then it just kind of opens your whole world way. up like so what what were some of the first steps you took after uh like getting into my Angelou and all that stuff well it, I didn't start taking more steps until like that 17 and like I had the opportunity through my school I was the president of this thing called Diversity Cancel and he wanted us to be on this show called Generation Rap which is like a Saturday morning show on 103.3 mm-hmm. and through us trying to be on the show me and a other couple of my friends ended up joining the show and then a couple months of me joining the, uh, joining the show uh, the mentor asked me to host and so I was hosting and it was uh, one of the alumni who took me to my first soul sessions at Kansas City down in 18th and Biden that was the first time I'd been at anything like Kansas City music poetry I was like wow I've been here for 17 years and no one told me (laughs) that this was like all here and it's a whole community and it's all loving and all everything and it's like that's what that's what brought me to really start working hard at it and then I met uh, I uh, auditioned for Casey Poetry and we ended up getting uh, we ended up winning Louder Than a Bomb the year afterwards after I joined the team and got to go through Brady Voices and Brave New Voices is a big spoken word international slam where like people across the whole globe come and compete, but it's really about the it's really about the people and like getting to meet other kids like you. And so having that experience, it that's what kinda pushed me that I really could do artistry and I really could make money from it. That's kinda what I learned from Casey Poetry is like you really can have this as your career. Mm-hmm. Through the mentors like Douglas Rosenbrook and Sherry Purpose Hall and Embryon Payne and all of them, like yeah. And um so when like it, I'm I'm not actually super familiar with it myself. Like I guess to someone who isn't aware, like what is the environment at Soul Sessions? Like what Soul really Sessions? All goes down there? It's really it's like a chill, like a more adult sides, twenty one and up. 
even though like I kind of like snuck in when I was younger, but mm-hmm. it's just because I've, I've always like carried myself and I've always kind of looked like this for a little bit too. So they kind of let me slide in because I was like, I didn't drink and stuff like that. But um, it's really smooth. It's a lot of great artistry. And then the host, back then the host was Sharela uh, and like the first time I performed, she had called me like a renaissance woman. And like, I'd never heard that. I'd never like been called an artist before. And so like getting that like affirmation from her and then and Beyond Pain happened to be in the crowd as well. And she called me a poet. And that was the first time I'd been called a poet as well. And then it was weird because three months later, she ended up being my mentor. Mm. And like, it's real, like it's, it's uh, great for the scene. And it's been here for years, Monday nights at the um, Juke House on 18th and Vine. Like, that's probably one of the top, if not like the top, like open mics in Kansas City. Mm. And was there a like? Do you remember like what you brought to like your first couple like soul sessions? Like, is um, that is that where you you performed for the first time there? Yeah, I yeah. performed <laughs> what was called like my like my first the first time I performed there. I did a cover to a uh, long walk by Jill Scott. I did like both poetry and kind of rap and sang through it. And I was with um, my friend Eric Ezekiel Boone, and like that's who had brought me there. He was also a host on Generation Rap. Um, and I, th- I mean, I just brought myself. I just, you know, I, I messed up. Like, <laughs> I know I messed up like really, probably like the first two times I performed. But mm-hmm. like, I kept going every week. That was the thing. And so I became like, a, I, that's where I got my first like footings mm-hmm. in the sense of performing in the scene. And that's where I started meeting people as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I guess we'll kind of. You, you told me pretty much the whole history there, but yeah. then we'll kind of re- rewind it a little bit. So you you joined a group at during high school called KC Poetry. Yes, the organization. Organization. And what? Where where did that really take you? Like, what, what kind of like events and stuff were you guys doing there? Um, KC Poetry took me like a lot of places. It, outside of perform, um, rehearsing and like being a part of the team. We would we did like a couple like little shows. We did a show at Soul Sessions actually um, before Brave New Voices last two years ago. Um, I got the chance to go to um, a detention center and perform poetry to like um, to at risk youth. And it was really really dope. I got a chance to go to a domestic violence shelter here in Kansas City and then share poetry and get poetry from the woman down there. And that was like a life changing experience. Like on the ground crying kind of type of thing so it's like a vocational program that um helps kids um who want to do poetry like find how they can do it and then also I got to be I got a chance so they're kind of working with this other group called poetry for personal power and they uh, allow us to use like grant money to be teaching artists Mm. and so that's another thing that's cool as well and I guess is was did it feel like really weird at all or like particularly like emotional to be like kind of mentoring like people at such like a young age like if someone came up to me like oh I want to learn about what you do I'd be like I'm not the one to ask about that <laughs> not as weird sometimes because it's like because re- people really do like trust you with that and it's like whoa like I'm still kind of figuring this out too yeah. like but you kind of just take what they give you and guide them and through the experiences that I've had and because I've gone through a lot of different like kinds of art fields and I, I research myself a lot I never go into anything not go into something not knowing about mm. it and so that kind of helps me as well even when I don't know something or I don't haven't been in the field I can still assist somebody because I've least researched what's around it and so I think that yeah like it, it's weird sometimes but I think I'm, I'm starting I, I don't consider myself a good speaker, but I feel like I have the skills to be able to get there. Mm. And have you ever, like, 
been able to like follow up with anyone that you spoke with then and like have you seen that like any of them like end up performing or anything yeah oh my gosh there's this one like uh, girl I worked I worked with on when I uh, was a teen for boxing communications in Atlanta another great like teen space and that one's in downtown Atlanta and her name is Maya and her just watching her evolve and like her writing they had the right like notes for us sometimes when we went to like competitions because I also competed with uh, team Atlanta down there um and like she would like call me like inspiration and some things like that and then I watched her perform this past uh, month and like her she's kind of like a shy quiet reserved person but like her whole <laughs> thing was like up and bright and mm. like proud that she had words to say and like to the point where like it really did make me cry because it was like wow like just the fact that and like other I've gotten like other experiences kind of like that and like it's just the fact that people really take what I say or things that I do I really try to just be myself and be authentic in that and people find that inspiring because it's really hard to do that in the world that we live in it's hard for me still and that's why I, I kind of feel like I don't know if you should be talking to me because I'm still fighting it as yeah. well but I, I see why I kind of I can see why some people would and I just hope that I can always I can always try to be that person for people and especially through art that's one of the goals of art you know mm. no yeah and from the way you describe it it sounds that sounds like just a really great draw in the first place like the sense of like immediate community that you get when you mm-hmm. jump into something like that and, and other people, people are experiencing what you're experiencing yeah so um also you ended up uh, becoming an Atlanta Youth Poet Laureate. Yeah. Can you <laughs> tell me about that process? So Atlanta Woodworks also uh, can partners with this bigger organization called Urban Word NYC, and they run the National Youth Poet Laureate program. And one of the places is Atlanta, and so they had like all of us on the team compete, and like a couple like it's open to all Atlanta teens, and like you basically fill out a, a big form, you uh, submit some of your poetry, and you have to perform from them, go through a little interview process, and all of that. And so I was lucky to be crowned um, when I was nineteen, uh, and so that came with also a book deal uh, as well. So that would be my like second book coming out sometime, you know. Oh yeah, and. Uh the the first one let me see i wrote down the name but i probably lost it here <laughs> T- tell me about the first book it's lost negro records lost negro records a colored history chat book yeah i released that um, my freshman year of college during black history month as like a black history month project and so basically lost negro records is uh, a fictional uh, a fictional academy afrocentric academy full of the kids and teens who have been killed by the police over the last couple of years. And I'm teaching them the black history that I wasn't taught and that I don't believe that many people in general are taught. And so the book goes through the academy and Glenn North acts as the principal. And so he gives a little um, uh, prelude in the beginning. There's some substitute teachers that are featuring Kansas City poets like Kelisha Nelson. She was on the team that went to Brave New Voices. Um, and so, yeah, I, I felt it was important to know this, a lot of stuff that I, I had to research obviously a lot for the, for the project. And it's like a lot of stuff I didn't know as much as I thought I knew about black history and it was crazy. And so it's like, there's no reason why black history shouldn't be up embedded into what everybody learns. Cause black history was a part of American history. I wasn't pulling anything from Africa or Europe or anything. Like it was all here. So why aren't we learning about it? Yeah. It seems like, you know, when like in every, like maybe, uh, portion of like American history you hear about like the one like 
black figure yeah. that was involved with it. And while there's probably, you know, tons out there that and just the don't that make the books. And the ones that get there as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who are some of the uh, figures that you end up talking about in the book? Um, I ended up talking about um, some of the real stuff about Nina Simone. I had in there the situation with um, black people being used as like basically test dummies for generations and upon generations why black people don't have like a trust for doctors. Mm. I had um, pieces regarding to Dorothy Dandridge, who was like the original Marilyn Monroe, who got she's who she got the whole inspiration from, and no one discusses her, but we have Marilyn Monroe plastered like everywhere, and that's not to say it's a bad thing, but why aren't we praising women like that? And then it goes through more than just people, and it goes through situations. It goes through the like the Move Nine bombing, where um, the Philadelphia police uh, station had bombed a whole liberation group mm. and killed over or uh, injured in over two hundred fifty of their members killed 11 and just the police <laughs> just bombed the whole place. Yeah. And I didn't know about that. That's crazy that we don't know about those things. And it's taught in some places. And I appreciate the teachers who embed that into their curriculum in the uh, schools and, that put that in there, but it's not in enough places. It's not in the places that it needs to be as yeah. well. I'm guessing like probably unless you're like in Philadelphia itself, you probably <laughs> actually don't hear much. Especially about our generation, that. maybe out of the past because it happened in 1970 in the seventies, but it's like, those things matter. Those things affect Philly. Those things affect the world because it's all just a part of the whole systematic um, oppression of everybody. Mm. And um, all, all the whole book is structured. Is, is it mostly through the poems you write? Or yeah, it's all is poems. It, it's yeah. a chapbook. That's a collection of poetry, but mm. it's like still structured as lessons. Mm. And so some of them I'm speaking directly to the class, like as the lessons, and then it goes through the poems that are just like the poems that you learn something for yourself. Mm. And you mentioned you were working on a second book. Is there anything you can say about that one right now? Uh, not right now, but mm. I will say it's something, this book is going to be a lot more, like, real. I don't really tend to write a lot of spoken word, po- spoken word or written word pieces about my, like, self and my journeys and stuff like that. I do a lot more, like, social justice. And so this is me, like, more so going through my intersections of a person. Mm. And, um... Yeah, so what, what what's, like, your, would you say, like, your current involvement with, like, the poetry scene in, like, Kansas City or Atlanta? Like, are you just kind of regularly going to events, or are you kind of... As of like, now, I'm not really, because mm-hmm. I took that... When I made the transition into music, I told myself I have to make the full transition to music, and so events always correlate and co- uh, always, like, cancel out each other, or, you know, slams and stuff like that. You really have to invest time mm-hmm. in energy into that and I have to invest that time and energy into musical force so I'm still obviously people are my friends and so I I try to make it out to some things when I can but otherwise I'm more so into the music scenes Mm. and I think there's one more uh, poetry thing I want to talk about though was um, I saw on YouTube your poem Idols that (laughs) you read like last year I think Mm -hmm. and I thought that was just like you know I mean I'm don't even remember exactly when like everyone started calling it like the me too movement or everything but i think it was pretty it was happening back then also when whenever you read that but like um i think it's still like ring it's like pretty timely still like even like a year or so later it was actually written like two years ago by um team kansas city like we Mm. took that to break new voices yeah we took that to break new voices in 2016 and so like it was actually like a little bit before, but it's not like anything has changed. Everything has been going on for decades. Yeah. So it's like, 
yeah. What was the reaction you guys got from that? Thing? No, it, it's a piece that like causes a lot of <laughs> hysteria just because of how like honest and how it kind of how honest and brutal like it is and it's um in the stanzas and stuff like that but i think it's an amazing piece it was it hurt, it hurt me to write honestly because i was a r kelly fan like throughout my whole childhood like you could not tell me nothing on trapped in the closet and things like that so but i was the one that wrote that stanza mm. even so it's like yeah. Did you get any like just angry fans of any of those people? No, like, knew no the that's truth. good. Yeah. It, some people were kind of like iffy about the Africa Africa uh, Mbata one, and I wrote that one as well. But it's like at the end of the day, that did happen. I know his significance in hip hop's history, and but at the end of the day, these people have no reason to lie mm-hmm. years later, and if multiple people that have nothing to do with each other at that, so it's like. You have to hold people accountable, even if they are our idols. Yeah. And, no, yeah, I think that's just, it's, it's something I've been thinking about a whole lot lately, like, just the whole concept of, like, idol worship in general, mm-hmm. like, in culture. Like, I've, I've kind of, like, I've always kind of been heading towards this, but I really have, I think, recently just, like, come to the full conclusion that, like, you know idolizing really almost anyone is like a waste of time like it Mm -hmm. keeps you from being productive on your own stuff and like creates like these boundaries for like like oh this person couldn't do that (laughs) when anyone could do anything really and i think it kind of bars you from finding your true self as well because you're always trying to be like them even when you don't want to truly truly be like them because you might idolize what they do or how they do it but at the end of the day that is still in your subconscious Mm. Do you, do you think there's, like, one person for you, like, when you found out something like that where it really just, like, turned everything around? You're like, okay, yeah, I need to, like, stop messing around when it comes to, like... I mean, I don't think I really have... I've, n- I've never, like, worshipped somebody like that. Like, that. Like, Hark Haley hurt, and it took a while for me to really, like, turn to the side. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know that there are people who are... who seem to be good, but that still do bad things on the low. Yep. So it's... It's maybe shocking, but it's not surprising. So, like, even though they may have this figure of being the, like, America, some dad and stuff like that, nah, like, everybody still has their demons and everybody still has something they've done that is bad, even if they are the greatest of people. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I want to jump into the music stuff now. Um, you have three EPs that are out right now. Two EPs, one mixtape. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, so the first one you released was called Intersectional Blackness. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that really served like as a good like bridge over from your poetry work because it is kind of structured mm-hmm. and like delivered in like a, a spoken word poetry kind of delivery. Mm-hmm. Can you Tell me about like how putting that uh, EP together kind of worked. Yeah, I knew I wanted to make five. Is my favorite number, and so like I know I wanted to make it five songs, and I was um, making the transi- making the transition into. Um, I was in college at that time, and so being in English classes, like I'm still writing five paragraph essays and so that's where the idea came in to make it a five song but structured as a five paragraph essay and also to be able to get through the message I was trying to get through about intersections and I just have to so the main intersections me being a black woman me being an African uh, woman uh, African and black and me being black and from being raised in the suburbs so having that in the intro and conclusion kind of just kind of just fit (laughs) on Mm -hmm. its own 
And so, yeah, it was really just my way of telling myself that I was an artist because I knew I, I wasn't going to, nothing's wrong with being a SoundCloud-only artist, but I knew I didn't want to just have my some music on SoundCloud and be like, oh, yeah, check out my SoundCloud leak. No, I want you to see me as a real artist and go to your Apple or go to Spotify and whatever YouTube and listen to my music. And so in doing that with Intersectional Blackness has, like, opened a lot more doors than people would assume. And so, like, I'm, I'm happy that I made that decision to do it that way. And, yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, and that's, like, was... Was that when you, like, first actually, like, performed music on stage for the first time? Yeah. After that EP came out? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the only times I did music was, like, if it was, in, like, infused into a poem or whatever. And so Intersection of Blackness was the first EP. And then there's one song that's on SoundCloud, though, that's called A Little Story. And so I was, like, the first, like, single that I released for myself, though. Mm. Yeah. And what, was it a, a challenge at all for you to, like, switch from, like, poetry mode to music mode on stage? Uh, no, no, no. I've, I've been performing for like a long time, mm. and so from being in choir in like elementary school into a little bit of uh, middle school, and then going into theater and doing musical theater and stuff like that. So it's always I've always been performing. Mm. And so after uh, intersectional blackness, you had a release called Rid Red, a which rhythm is rapture. yes, yeah, and that's a, a reggae style release. Yeah, and so I structured it as a mixtape because it was a very experimental idea, and I knew I didn't want to I, I didn't want to put as much full force into that right after um, mm. intersectional blackness, and also just to give myself like a chance to like explore other genres completely but like still infuse hip-hop and so Rid Red is the title character and she's a 22 year old Jamaican Nigerian kind of like bad gal type of figure that I wouldn't say is an alter ego I don't know how, I, don't, I don't know how much I feel about the whole alter ego thing but I would say she's a part of me when I want to be like that person mm. and so that's where Rid Red came from and so throughout it's like her story and so each um song is a chapter mm. And um, I know you've performed um, Rihanna's, like, reggae song mm-hmm. live, but, um, like, what, what kind of, like, eras and, like, uh, musicians from reggae are you, like, really interested in? Are you, like, I, I can tell it's kind of like a dance hall style on the Yeah, I'm Nigerian, so, like, it comes from me just always listening to tra- traditional music and Afrobeat, and mm-hmm. so that's where, like, it was really, like, the kind of the mix of the two, and then reggae style, like... Back the back in the day, like Shabo Rangs, people were also popular in Africa, and so listening to that um, more on the, the more smoother side, like Bob Marley, um, uh, Buju Banton, like those figures, and there are some American ones. I'm kind of blanking right now, mm. but yeah, it's always this the stuff that no matter what they're saying, it can always make you dance. Mm. No, yeah, and like I like. I, I, like kind of like early in my teenage years I did have like a lot of interest in like reggae and stuff which mm-hmm. kind of came from like a lot of like trashy like reggae <laughs> rock bands like yeah, Sublime and all that type of stuff uh, Sublime's like that terrible I, uh, said, yeah. I would say Skindred and that's, what, that's more like you know ska but mm-hmm. that's what I, I fucked with as well no yeah but I think I am like more versed in just the strictly like Jamaican stuff rather than the stuff that kind of blended with like mm-hmm. the African like traditional music but I I think it probably is like really interesting to see how like they intersect like yeah like because are there like is is there end up does there end up being like a lot of crossover between like artists that yeah we use a lot of the same instruments and like 
the whole, Caribbeans are West Africans, and like that's where they came from to be deposited mm. back in the sense of uh, slave trade. But so that's why you see a lot of uh, similarities between the cultures, mm. and so that, that extends into music as well. Cool, and um, so yeah, and the most recent release you have mm-hmm. is called Hip Hop Scala. Yes, and that's kind of like I feel like it's like kind of your tribute mm-hmm. to the the early roots of mm-hmm. hip hop and everyone who started there so mm-hmm. what like you know i think i can't think of any other like local release that's like so like upfront about like being a tribute to like kind of the early days so like mm-hmm. what made you want to do that um with me being a rapper and me being like a lyricist i know i wanted to make a tape that showed that and kind of showed my beat selection and showed like where I'm at in the sense of hip hop and I know I couldn't make a hip hop tape without knowing the full history of hip hop and so like I took the time out and like studied and researched and like listened to a bunch of albums and stuff like that and so hip hop a scholar comes from me being you know, hip hop a scholarship I, I made the decision to take hip hop scholarship more seriously and to consider myself a hip hop ambassador and so hip hop a scholar top scholar me and so the tracks kind of well the first one is like really the, the most homage track scholarship 1997 so I was born in 1997 so that's why I decided to make a song um, about all the influential tapes that came out in that year and so I, I, I think that's like my best tape out today to kind of show people where I'm at in artistry and that where my pen is as well as a rapper mm. and um you you mentioned wanting to be a an ambassador of hip hop. What do you think that will really mm-hmm. entail? Like, what do you want to do with that? Well, ambassadors of hip hop they kind of they basically go around and teach people hip hop, where they be communities, our classrooms, or lectures. They they push the message of what hip hop really is and where it came from, the the history of it, why is it influential today, why do we need it today, especially within the black community, and all more things of that nature. Mm. And so I just think that's needed. And hip hop did come straight from the black community and has influenced the entire globe. Yeah. It is now the number one genre in the entire world. And so that shows something from something that was created out of poverty in the South Bronx in the 70s, you know? And all of the, and it even goes back further into the 60s and 50s on the people who were instrumental onto making those sounds. And so it goes really deep. Mm. And I think that's something that the world needs to know. So, yeah, you'd say. You- like you know since hip hop is like kind of the prevalent genre in the world right now but you think people like even though it is so popular you think people really need to like get to know like the the roots of it and mm-hmm. all that cuz at the end of the day we do live in a commercialized society and so the um the making rap a commodity to be sold devalues the impact and devalues what the true like spirit of it is supposed to be and what the ancestors of hip hop meant for it to go through and so that's why I feel like people need to always know the history of hip hop so it's like because it's like rock no one really disrespect you don't hear um, necessarily bad things about rock music you don't hear a lot of bad things about pop music because it's always been like a passing down of the torch in those genres and like I know there's always been like those kind of rap records that are kind of more fun and like relaxed like but right now it's like because of social media it's like at a hyper (laughs) kind of stage of being sold like it's because it makes so much money to make something so so simple and using the same things everybody has been using and so 
with people like J. Cole coming out and Childish Gambino coming out and um, Kendrick coming out and those um, figures who kind of push the real <laughs> like hip hop. That that's more stuff that we need mm. in the sense of the in the sense of the rap game as a whole and hip hop. So you, you don't you don't necessarily feel that like more people need to be making a more lyrical specific type of hip hop. Oh, yes, it's just yeah, like yeah. people just need to be more educated on the genre as a whole. You'd say yeah, because all those people. It's not like they're making. I, yeah, there's a lot of trash music out, but a lot of them aren't making like bad music. It's just the fact that we're not paying attention to the people that pay that not, not necessarily pay homage, but at least carry the torch of how hip hop was and all the different branches that hip hop is. Rap has so many different subgenres, and not in the sense of like rock, but in the sense of having things to talk about and having ways to express your emotion. I can't tell a person how to not express their emotion how they want, you know? But I know what I do. <laughs> I know what my purpose in doing it is for. And so, yeah, do make your money. Yeah, girl, make your money. But it's like, always remember that you're talk that people are listening to this and that music is one of the biggest type of frequencies to reach people. Mm. And so, have that in mind while you're doing stuff. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not a saint. I don't only, I'm not... <laughs> Preach it. Not yes, I preach in my songs, but not all of it's always like positive. Like I, I'll show both at some point when I actually have it. But for the most part, you what what you're doing outside of music also plays a part into that. And so people just you know hmm. know that there's people after you coming, and those people after you are looking at you. Yeah, and no, yeah, and on the note of like there being so many different like subgenres in hip hop right now, like I think. It's even like still expanding and mm. gonna continue, continue to expand to, because to. like you know in the past like couple of years you've seen like the rise of like emo rappers mm. and like um you know you're gonna have like all these different offshoots like yeah. exactly how rock did like mm-hmm. thirty forty fifty years ago so I don't know I think that's something to uh, just be thinking about like I don't know I, th- I don't think people always I mean it's not like my opinion particularly <laughs> matters but I don't think. A ton of like (laughs) a ton of people like always look at the bigger picture of um, hip hop or any music genre as a whole. Like Mm -hmm. they'll just be like super concerned with like a handful of artists when they don't like. like, There's definitely a lot, a lot more. They're making amazing, amazing music. Yeah, and so that's who I'm saying to to start paying attention to as well. I don't know what like I I don't know who said it in an interview that the music industry kind of has just like a washer cycle yeah. of people and every once in a while another shirt is thrown in but they're still going through the same cycle and it's like there's no I, of all these artists and all this money that's in the music industry there's no reason why everybody should not be eaten you know yeah no and even like the just like the narratives and the like sounds of the genre as a whole like no one really I don't, like not many people like really take a look at the whole like the whole ecosystem and the, I mm-hmm. mean, everyone's just like, I guess it's another part of like the idol worship aspect yeah. of it. Like they're just like, Oh, what did, what did uh playboy Cardi do today? Like, yeah, no, just like take a, like, I don't know. I think a lot of people could benefit from like deconstructing mm-hmm. like, like the history of like all these different movements and stuff. But yeah. I don't know. That's just dumb stuff. I think. I mean, about. it's not <laughs> dumb stuff. Now it's the same way with like female rap. People like to categorize, female rap as one thing like it's only like rapping about your body and rapping about how dumb these bitches are and stuff like that and it's like there's so many other things women rap about but we don't pay attention to them when they're rapping about those other things it's only when it's that when it's sex you know and yeah I guess to um 
Well, no, I, I guess one last thing I wanted to talk about on the subject was, like, all three of your projects so far have had, like, really strong, like, particular themes about mm-hmm. them, I think. Like, the first one kind of had uh, the poetry that you kind of talked about earlier, and then the reggae style in the second, and the hip-hop, like, history on the third. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see yourself at some point, like, even soon, like, really... Um, like I don't know, going for less of a particular theme on a project, or do you, is that like kind of your thought process most of the time? Do you think that's usually my thought process? I plan for like everything, and, and when it comes to my art, like I, I sit back and I outline everything, mm. and so ideas that come out, it's almost always like it's thematic, I guess, because I'm, I'm a writer at the end of the day, and so there's always has to be like a plot or a beginning, middle, end, and that's how I make music as well. Yeah. And so, the way that, uh, in the sense of screenwriting, like how seeing it in your head, and like I have to do all that. I can't start. I don't like to start writing until I have all the beats, and so I know how it all plays in my head, and then I go from there. And it's like, so themes are kind of my thing. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so. Is there anything you can say about the the next project you're working on? You mentioned you're in the yeah. middle of like recording that right now. Yeah, I'm about to be recording um, actually a rock and roll tape, and so I, I, I'm a person that oh, you always have to talk about where you came from and how things began, and so this one is more so paying homage to how Black people began rock and roll, mm. and especially Black women like Sister Rosetta Tharp. It really started everything in the sense of black, uh, rock and roll, and so uh, that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Yeah. And is there going to be, like, a lot of, like, are you calling in people to, like, do instrumentation and stuff, or is it, like... Yeah, two yeah. of the beats are completely live instrumentation. I can't do a rock tape without having live instrumentation, I felt like. And then the other ones are more so, like, go into more uh, modern day. So those ones are, like, completely old school records. Like, nothing synthesized or <laughs> thing like that. And then I'll have... I don't know why I kind of like having or not like having kind of just ends up the only one feature but then I'll have like one feature as well and then some other hopefully another instrumentation from people in Kansas City mm. yeah oh yeah like uh, yeah. have you even had any features on the past yeah. releases at all wait I'm yeah uh, I'm it's blanking the, all, on Intersectional Blackness was all me yeah on um, Red Red uh, Red and Rapture Milady Beats feature oh, yeah. on um uh, stick up and then on Hip Hop Scala, Liu Kang featured on Tire Dome, and we actually just shot a music video out in Atlanta for that, so that'll oh, cool. be coming out in the next couple months. No, oh, yeah, but I feel like those those features aside, like I feel like you do have a very kind of like kind of individualistic approach to a lot of yeah. your stuff, and I guess does it just kind of play into like the amount of planning you do? And yeah, because you can't really plan for what other people write yeah. and like. For in the sense of Milady, I, I, I trust Milady. Like that's probably the only person, one of the only people in Kansas City that I think can go bar for bar with me. And then with Luke Kang, like she, I told her the idea for it, and she just happened to come with like the perfect verse for it. And so I was so 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 happy for that because like she even she did tell me, and I was really appreciative that like if I didn't like it or if she wanted me to change or if I wanted her to change it, she would. And so I, but I didn't. That was the first go around. And so yeah, it does come with me wanting to plan like everything like to the T. Mm. And so in the sense of, like, sometimes even, like, writing for the people that <laughs> may feature, like, yeah. yeah. you don't have a whole team of uh, writers like, yeah, like no, Drake out here. So. here. <laughs> I'm weak. But, um, um, that's crazy, the fact that that happens. No. Yeah. Um, but um, what else did I want to hit here? Oh, yeah. Um, you, I guess this, maybe this will be the way you kind of expand out of, like, 
super like individual stuff, but like you do have your company, mm-hmm. Afrocentric yes. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And is that just mostly something you put together at this point? I know mm-hmm. my lady we, works on that. Yeah, uh, we actually Afrocentric um, began back in 2015 mm-hmm. with a group of with a meme lady and another friend of ours as like record label type because we were starting to be like uh, taking music, doing music back then. But more so than like me being the poet, another one being the rapper, like kind of thing. And so we took it farther once we realized that we really could make this like a real life empire type thing. And so we take in like kind of years or like months in between like breaks in in the sense of doing things like back when we first started we did like rap battles we did showcases and stuff like that and like performed and took pictures all that stuff but now we're more in the sense of building uh, a name for ourselves and also building the bread for all (laughs) the entertainment things and so definitely Afrocentric is still pushing and definitely see things rising for us in the next in what we're 2018 yeah in the next 2019 2020 like that's when a lot of stuff is going to be in the, in the works to like pop out for us. Do you, do you see yourself like putting out like releases from other artists or definitely, like, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Once we secured everything that needs to be secured and the foundation is laid. Cause that's one of the things that we've learned over the years that we can't just like go full force into something that we don't necessarily know all about or we don't have all the footings that we need to do. And so definitely we have some artists in mind and I feel like, um, doing it in a way that will benefit them and not cheat them in the sense of some of the ways that the industry can do. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it, and I think it is just generally, like, becoming increasingly easy to, like, kind of build your own label, self-release stuff if you want to, and mm-hmm. just because, like, I don't know, with the internet and everything, it's all, yeah. like, super easy. But mm-hmm. I think anyone knows that, so I don't think yeah. we're <laughs> passing out any knowledge there. But, um so, oh, and I watched the Jezebella video the other day, and you do a lot of dancing yeah. in that video, and I guess that just goes to back up uh, your friend's statement of you being a Renaissance woman. Yeah, Is, that's crazy. How, how far back does your, your dancing go? Well, again, like being Nigerian, dancing is a part of our culture. Like, I know back in the back in the day, we would be a part of like, in our community, because there's a Nigerian community of like greater Kansas City, like we would perform at some of the um, parties and stuff, like as a group of us kids. And then, you know, just dance, 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 dance is literally a part of the itinerary at our parties. <laughs> and so growing up doing that, and then I got the chance to audition for this team um, or this dance company called Movement as One in Atlanta. And I got in, and so I've been dancing with them for the last two years. And so that's actually like, Rather than just being a self-taught dancer, that's actually, like, pushing me to really, like, train and, like, know the technique behind moves and all, and, actual, and actually having a community of dan- people who dance, mm. uh, too. And so they, it's, like, a big, big family down over there in Atlanta full of, like, kids from both Georgia State that go to and Georgia Tech and, like, surrounding areas of Atlanta. And so, yeah entertainer so like when i guess when you're a kid and you're being pushed like did you enjoy dancing like immediately or like oh why are my parents Uh, making me do this like i think it was i could get like swayed into the crowd kind of dancing that was how i was as a kid but it took a while for me to like start dancing like on my own like when i did it was like (laughs) like a thing that's like oh like i'm there (laughs) not like with a crowd of people because like i'm 
I don't know, like more shy, but more so like reserved mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like way or more introvertish. And so that can happen randomly at parties. And it's just like, uh, yeah. I'll be sitting here like all day. <laughs> but I guess you might be thankful for it now. Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because having that be in your veins, like really as a uh, Nigerian and then being able to do that for years upon years because there's always a party, always a graduation, always a barbecue. <laughs> so it's like you're, you're training without even knowing that yeah. you're training. A lot, a lot of chances to practice. Yeah, and then also just being like a black kid and all the dances that we grew up on from like the Superman and like the Stanky Leg yeah. and all those things. So you really you don't really realize how much it helps you until you get older mm. and look back. Man, I feel like we're just going to go through every single like – bit of like entertainment but you also uh <laughs> you're interested in, in filmmaking i know film major like, yeah yeah oh you're you're, you're majoring mm-hmm. okay cool yeah so what what was your first foray into like film um, and everything film was the reason i wanted to do art as a career yep. in the first place it was like I had like watched a movie that made me cry. I don't even remember what the movie was, but I just had a whole like epiphany like when I got my first laptop at twelve that like this like is what I want to do. The fact that somebody's thought created this whole entire production and made some random person like me emote. Like yeah. I knew I wanted to do that. And so film and like I guess with every art you kinda see it in your head as a movie. And so like that's kinda how film being like the another one of the bases along with poetry that in the sense of how I do art really like helps me and I think um, the ideas that you can have by mixing art artistries in the sense I I I think that film will really help me like in the future. And so like I kinda took a pause from it after high school uh, art like in the midst of high school and so and also like you know with college they don't really have you do your major until your last two years mm. so like in this sense like I'm glad I'm having a break from it and I'm learning a lot of things to go back into it when I come back this junior year and no yet so you're you were you just finished your sophomore yes, year I did. And so you're gonna be okay and no yeah but I think like you, you mentioned that you think it's going to be important for you going forward like having that skill set and I would probably agree with that because like I don't know you just always see like you know videos becoming more and more accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone and everyone does want like video that they can sell or all that type of stuff so but um what was I gonna say but yeah uh, what were what were some of like the first films and like directors and people that you got really interested in uh, definitely Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Um, also, I got really obsessed with some actors who did certain types of films, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Ellen Page, in the sense of like psychological thrillers. Those are like really my thing. Um, the first films I made, I, I made a lot of film treatments in middle school, but we you know with kids, like it's kind of hard to see movies all the way throughout. And so it wasn't until high school that like I got to do like. You know, projects in the sense of like um, I was in video technology and then IB film and so the one I got to do on my own it was like this silent film that kind of followed a, a stranded woman confused in a forest and she ends up finding these uh, like it's kind of like goes on a little story like that and then another one that was on domestic violence that um, my friends uh, got to star in and then like more more things that kind of mean something. I kind of I'm a person. I'm a very passionate person, and so like I feel like I always have to put something that means something into 
the art space. Mm. And so yeah, so like I feel like just from what I've heard, like you just very so much like very much so like consider yourself more of an artist than an entertainer, but like the byproduct is kind of like entertaining at times. Yeah. So. And that's kinda and to do what I want to do like in life, I'm, I know that I have to not necessarily have to be entertaining because I do enjoy. Obviously, I'm a, I'm an artist. I like entertaining people, uh, but what I want to do, I know I have to be an excellent entertainer. And even in the sense of how I do, how I outline everything, like that is in the sense of making music. That is a form of entertainment. It's just like very on the technical side. Mm. And so the same way, like I, I look up to people like Beyonce, like Tina Turner, like Prince and Michael Jackson, who are really able and Bruno Mars are able to put on an entire show, like an entire production. Of, for, like that they thought of like that's amazing to me and that's what I really want to do in my own way in my own lane yeah and no yeah and I think oh, I remembered what I was gonna say <laughs> earlier yeah. um like and I think having all of these different like media that like you're well versed in like can only benefit you in the long haul like if you end up like working for some other company they'll want someone who could do like video and writing mm-hmm. and all these things and even building your own thing like it you know it cuts out having to hire other people or yeah. like do that kind of stuff like and it makes like your whole process a little more simplified yeah. i think so a little bit i <laughs> think, think it's a, a good business move as well as just it. stuff to be passionate about uh but yeah you have a show coming up at the Uptown yes. Arts Bar on June 1st. June 1st, yes. So me and special friends, and there's a, uh, some artists of Kansas City that will be presenting their work and sh- selling their work. So it'll be a really, really dope night. Mm-hmm. And is is it going to be like, is it going to be kind of like a recap of stuff you've done so far? Is there new music there? or It'll definitely be uh, new music. I have, no one has seen me perform anything from Hip Hop Ascala or Red 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 and Rapture. And also I have a lot of singles that no one has heard before <laughs> as well. And so doing that and, you know, maybe showing some things that are coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's like a full, it's not just like a regular you know, music show where you just see a bunch of artists like, it's really like a concert mm-hmm. for me and it's like be the first like real concert and like in thing uh type of performance that shows people like whether you want to come and pay to see me because i'm making the show free as yeah. well so awesome and um so i guess i have a few quick plugs here uh people can follow at shuttlecock mag on twitter facebook and instagram you can visit shuttlecockmusic.com for all the articles and everything you can go to shellcockmag.bigcartel.com for T-shirts, buttons, and photo zines. And there's a couple uh, punk shows we're presenting that's coming up, so you can go to the Facebook events uh, tab for that. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Uh, where can people find you online? And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CEO underscore OG. Um, my Facebook page is The Real Ogechi, O-G-E-C-H-I. And then my website is www.ogechi.me. So, yeah. Awesome. Follow me on like uh, my Spotify, Apple, and Tidal, all that things is where you can find my music. And then if you don't have streaming, I'm also on SoundCloud and YouTube. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Oh, I appreciate today. you having me. It was really dope. And I love what you're doing for Kansas City as well for having this platform. I appreciate that. Yeah.